Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SBK Betting Podcast, coming to you live from the SBK studios. I'm delighted that I am here in person with Tom Collins. Of course, we've always got Ross Miller on the line from his chateau in France and... Really pleased to say that we're coming into the end of the flat season proper off the back of what was just a sublime weekend, TC. We did it again. The one, two, and the Cesarewitch, but this time redemption. And your run for Oscar got it. I mean, what a performance from that horse. And obviously, being a victory, it's a great second, too. But first, you must have been screaming with delight with that. I was. It's just fantastic to see a horse cruising to contention, especially in a big field handicap, because, you know, so many things can go wrong for any horse in races like that. 20-odd runners, you know, two Mm. miles plus plenty of moments in that race something could have gone wrong could have found trouble whatever but run frost could just cruised in like a horse who was 20 pound well in zoomed to the front and one with loads in hand great run from your horse as well and you know this is a race i think that is going to be synonymous with the sk yeah. betting pod going forward we've got a great record in it hopefully we continue with the winners this week as well yeah hopefully so you put it up at six one went into four to one it was heavily punted they definitely lined that horse up as well and ross uh, a winning nap for you as well with flying honors um a, another serious juvenile uh, for the charlie apple team to to look forward to um Alflalia was a, another winning nap for the the pod despite missing the break one at five to two and then yes we had uh vino victrix um i put up and at 20 to one went into nine to one that was another gamble this is our but as a whole we were landing some good gambles last weekend and uh, we go into this uh, champions weekend the champions day at ascot with lots to look forward to and i think on, on an overall look to this um tom when you look at champions day you want true champions and mm-hmm. we definitely have one we're going to go into it but from from the look at it and from a betting perspective it's a really solid day isn't it yeah it's a really solid day um i've actually got the stat attack just aimed at the whole of champions day so we'll come to that later on in the, in the pod but um yeah i'm looking forward to seeing a couple of short price favorites but a couple of big price winners hopefully um, i'm sure ross will supply a couple of those as well yeah we'll get into it we've got five group ones um for champions uh, day so we're going to look at all of them um normally we just save just the feature races but these are such cracking races we thought we we need to give them all a go and we're going to start with the long distance cup which is the first race um at 125 on saturday and i'm really pleased that plenty of these have stood their ground um eldar alderov the uh, st ledger winner is in there at nine to four currently uh, favorite at Trushan, not far behind at five to two. We've got Waterville, the Iris Zarich winner at three to one. Cold Train, who beat Trushan last time, eight to one. Quickthorn, 12 to one at 16 to one for the Ebor winner, Trawler Man, Wordsworth, 50 to one, and, and Stratton, 66 to one. Uh, Ross, let's start with you first because um, the Long Distance Cup, I think it's got lots of really intriguing form lines. When I was thinking about Eldar Eldar Ardorov, I was thinking, was it a vintage St. Ledger? But then you've seen the horses he's, he's beaten have come out and won and I just think potentially maybe with a bit of a weight advantage that he's got with some of his older horses and the Roger Varian form, he's a he's a good horse in this in this field. But do you think it's a bit much to ask at this stage of his career? Uh, that's the question, isn't it? I mean, all week I was fairly confident that he'd be who I was tipping up. And just the, the price just is skinny enough, I think. I think there's plenty of likely winners in this. Whoever wins it, you can you'll understand why. Um but they all have questions to some degree to answer. I mean, Alderadov, he's got to step up in trip. That's the first thing to say. I mean, I'm sure he looks like he'll uh, stay the trip. Uh, taking on his elders, he gets the weight. Trushan, is the ground going to come soft enough for him? And he's hardly going to be able to hold on to him. He's developing this a nice, uh, horrible habit of just getting a bit keen early in the stages. Waterville has to step up. 
Coltrane has got the form line, but Andrew Balding has been quoted this week as saying he's just a bit concerned that he's gone over the top. Now, I don't have a stat attack for that, but just anecdotally, when trainers suggest they think they might be going over the top, I think more often than not they're right. Um, which brought me to Quickthorn, who's got a quick turnaround to overcome. He didn't run all that well last time in, in France, but they put that down to the race off ground. He's beaten Coltrane, who's beaten Trushan. Um, I could see him getting a bit of a freebie on the front. Not many are going to want to go forward, with the exception perhaps of uh, Trawlerman. But I think he's perhaps a bit more rideable than Trawlerman when ridden forward. So it wouldn't surprise me if Tom Marcon could get him to the front, set his own fractions. If the 14-day turnaround isn't too much for him, um, I just thought they've all got questions. He's a bigger price than, than those in front of him, all with questions to answer. So at round about 12 to 1, uh, I think he's a good each way shout. Yeah, Quickthorn, definitely that wasn't his true running in France last time. I just thought that the Huey Morrison team were a little bit out of form. Obviously, they've had that, those two good runners in the Cesarich, but they've just been lacking on a few winners recently. Um, but potentially, uh, Quickthorn is, is sort of bouncing. That's why they're running him again, because I would have thought that Huey Morrison might have just sort of decided to put him away. But he is in this race, and he is currently 12 to 1 shot for Ross. Um, Tom, Thoughts on um, on um, Trushan because that was a really strange run last time when he was beaten by Coltrane. Didn't look like himself really. Is a long tired season, especially for these days, kind of catching up with him? Maybe. Um, Alan King did say though that he didn't let himself down on the ground because previously he ran on fast ground um, in the Goodwood Cup and when he finished third, and apparently that left a, a bit of a toll on Trushan, so he didn't perform last time out. I'm willing to put a line through it. This is a super com um, competitive and consistent horse on a regular basis, mm -hmm. Trushan. Very rarely disappoints. And if you go back to that Goodwood Cup where he finished third, it was a phenomenal effort. Now, Holly Doyle gave him a good ride and there was a bit of interference here and there. But I think a repeat of that would suffice in this race. And we can't forget that Trushan has also won the last two editions of the Long Distance Cup. Mm -hmm. So this is probably his target, whereas the likes of Quickthorn, who Ross has obviously mentioned, um, I think would have just used this as like an aftermath kind of, we'll end the season here rather than we've been aiming and getting him 100% ready for this race. I think it's a similar case for Eldar Eldorov, to be honest. Like, yes, he deserves to be favoured because he won the St. Ledger, but no horse has ever won the St. Ledger and then gone on to win the Long Distance Cup. Um, only two horses have attempted in the last five years, but they've both disappointed. Um, I also don't think it was the best St. Ledger, I have to say. Giovanotto finished fourth, probably would have been second with a clear run. And he's subsequently been beaten listed company. So, yeah, true sham for me. Um, there's forecast rain Friday and Saturday. That will help mm -hmm. his cause. Lots of positives. Yeah, he uh, he's he's definitely you know coming into this with with so much going for him. Was won this race the last twice as well um and holly door just loves him so trushan um therefore uh tc five to two currently i think there's a bit of a fly in the ointment here um i do think that waterville um he's skinny though three to one the irish cesarich victory was something to behold yeah. wayne lorden's ride you know you can't really get much better than that uh, he is a horse that likes to be held up he would want a bit of pace probably want a bit of bigger field than this um obviously the Bally Doll team don't have Kiprios, but you'd imagine that they probably know what they have with Kiprios as a good yardstick. And having him in this race and testing him in amongst these serious Group One performers, I've got a bit of confidence. He's coming out of a handicap company, um, and I just I do like him. I like his profile, and he does like Eldad. I've get the weight from his elders with a bit of nine stone on his back. So all differing in opinion uh, for the long distance cup um, to get uh, your day off to a good start, and uh, uh, we'll see how that does bringing us into the two o'clock. Um, which is the next race that we're going to feature. This is always massively competitive. And with the rain 
forecast could just throw up a bit bit of a few changes in in the betting what we've got right now we've got this is the british champion sprint stakes six furlongs is the trip uh creative force currently at five to two favorite uh, rohan seven to two kinross intriguing um really needs to prove himself over six furlongs but he's done nothing wrong this season is 11 to two perfect power tom mark Crumper is eight to one nine to one for art power and ten to one bar those um we love our sprints. I feel like we've seen these horses throughout the season and, and opposing each other, com- coming up against each other. Is I always feel that some one of these horses is going to have their day in the sunshine. Is mm-hmm. it, for you, is, is the betting a little bit disproportionate for some of with, with a lot of these horses, what they've, what, they've, what they've done? You go down to 25 to 1 with the likes of Go Bears Go. Mm-hmm. They're all genuine, solid, top-class horses, aren't they? Yeah, it's a really competitive race featuring loads of proper Group 1 horses. Um, I think Creative Force, the price is far too skinny. Now, he won this race last year and potentially bookmakers are thinking, you know, we want to play very tentatively with this mm. horse. They might have aimed him back here. We haven't seen him since the July Cup. So whether he's suffered a setback, I'm not too sure. But if not, they've been aiming him here and, you know, waiting for that soft ground. The one negative I have with Creative Force is the high draw. If you look back at the replays of the last three to four years, you want to be far side, middle to far side, and he's drawn reasonably high. Mm. Um, that's a similar concern with the stable mate, Naval Crown as well, who will also appreciate the soft ground, but again, is drawn in st- uh, still 16. So, you know, at the prices, I want to avoid both of those two. And a horse is, is in here that I really love, and that's mm. Rohan. Mm. I think I've tipped him up <laughs> three or four times on yeah. these pods. Uh, he's a fantastic horse, a brilliant story. Began run, um, running in handicaps off a mark of 55 just 21 months ago. Now, 20 months, 21 months sounds a long time, but a mark of 55 this horse ran off. That's a ridiculously low mark. And now he's competing off 113. He's shown dramatic improvement. I thought he was supremely impressive last time in the Ben Goff as well. He won with loads of hand that day, like Adam mm. Kirby didn't go for everything at all. Um, he's super at Ascot especially when there's cut in the ground. And I love his draw in stall six. So with a massive speed in this race, I just think we could see another feel-good story with Rohan. Yeah, and he's got Adam Kirby jocked up again. I know he's had a range of jockeys, but he's yeah. got, on, got on well with him. I thought he gave him a super ride last time. Yeah, and uh, Adam Kirby in the post-race interview was uh, keen to mention he wasn't getting the horsepower last mm. uh, this year. So uh, I think the fact that he's staying on Rohan, he can make another big point to say that, you know what, I'm Adam Kirby and I deserve, deserve to be riding Group 1 horses. Yeah, he, he definitely does. Um, he's, uh, he's a fabulous jockey. Uh, Rohan um, for uh, TC currently... Um, it's seven to two, um, a second favourite. But I just think that this, the shape of this betting might just just shake up a little bit. Um, there's plenty within this this field that could have a that have a cracking chance, and also sort of come into their own maybe at this type time of season as well. Um, uh, Ross, thinking about all of that, especially with the draw, um, especially what you've seen this season from some of these really hardy, battle hardened sprinters, do you think that there's one that, there's, that has their day in the sunshine coming, or one that just sort of deserves this, or is it is it a lot more obvious than that? No, I, I think it's not obvious, is it? I don't think there's a a champion bidding to show they're the the outstanding champion. I think it's it's a typical sprint that you run it ten times and you probably get five or six different winners. Um, the one I came down on and she's a very difficult filly to get a grip on is is tenebrism um it's hard to know what her best trip is i mean she sometimes looks like she's staying on over a mile um and then looks to get you know sort of a a bit outpaced at times well over over shorter but i thought her best run this year was over seven furlongs in the jean pratt um she'll handle a little bit of cut in the ground if the rain comes i think tc's right i think there's plenty of pace in this um she'll be staying on it in the death. And it's the first time back over six furlongs since the impressive Chiefly Park win last year. 
Um, now that hasn't worked out all that well, but she was very impressive on just her second start. Um, I think she's clearly a filly of ability. Uh, Alcohol-free dropped back to six furlongs early this year from a mile, and I'm hoping she'll do the same. Thinking about that, thinking about the, the drop back and trip, do you think, you know, if you looked at this and you weren't too familiar with your racing and, and you and you want to get involved with Champions Day because it is, you know, littered with these Group 1 races, you looked at Kinross and you think, oh, he's done nothing wrong. There's ones to his name. Um, he's clearly a very high-class animal. Why can't he step back to six furlongs and win in the same vein like Tenebrism can? No, I, 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 he was certainly on the shortlist. I think if you, if you work on the basis there is going to be a bit of a pace collapse, then he's he's right there and he is in fine form. At some point, they'll go to the well once too often, but with these sprinters in particular, when they're in good form, just keep running them. And I think, yeah, I think he's uh, got a live chance and I think if a bit of rain comes, uh, it's only going to help him more. Yeah, he definitely shouldn't be overlooked at all. I find it really difficult not to put him up um, based on you know what great heart he is in. He is 11 to 2. Um, but we've seen some big price winners of this race throughout the years. And I think that Hugo Palmer and his team have been waiting for this race off the back of the fact that, he, that their horse Brad the Brief has been a non-runner on the last two occasions due to ground. They have sent this horse over to Ireland looking for giving the ground and they will get given the ground on Saturday. Um, and that's really key for him. Um, he's just kind of turned a, a corner. They've changed something, whatever it is, but he's really realised the potential that he showed when he was a younger horse um, this season with two wins. A bit possibly not beating a strong field last time at the Curra, um, but it is crucial, as I said, um, the ground. Pleased to hear from TC's stat attack because he's drawn five next to your horse, Rohan. Um, so that's not too bad as well. And David Egan's having a great end to his season, isn't he? Um, he really has been giving a great lot of opportunities. He won on this horse in, at Haydock. Um, and I just, I, I think that, that that's quite a, a nice angle. This is a slightly more fresh horse, whereas you'll see, to Ross's point about Kinross, a lot of horses who've done plenty of racing coming to the end of a long season and um, at this midway point in October, I just think having fresh legs could help. So again, three different selections for you in this uh, in this sprint. We've got um, Brad the Brief, um, Rohan or Tenebrism um, as selections um, and good prices as well, at least. We're going against our favourites um, as we head into um, our next race that we're going to feature, which is the British Champions Phillies and Mare's Stakes. Um, one mile, four furlongs is the trip. And Emily Upjohn with a hood declared for the first time is the uh, 72 favourite, second in the um, Oaks, um, last seen uh, running a stinker uh, in the King George uh, Ascot. Um, Eternal Pearl for the Godolphin team is next up at 5-1. to one. Mimic U is 6-1. to one. Ashada um, was uh, last year's winner is 7-1. to Sela Rossa sevens as a sweet lady and 9-1 to one, um, bar those. Um, Ross, I'll come, I'll come back to you. Um, Phillies, they're, they're funny. They can be um, interesting uh, horses to manage, to train and Emily Upjohn is clearly one of them. Um, she had the world at her feet, didn't she, at the beginning of the season? And she's on a bit of a redemption mission. I thought thought she was slightly short. I'm surprised to see her at this price, considering what she has to prove, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, of all the races we're looking at, this is my my least favourite. I think it's a, a real trappy affair. Um, Eternal Pearl has definitely got plenty of ability, but... I'm just concerned she's looked a bit wayward under pressure a couple of times. And at Ascot, they do have to get past the chute that they come out onto the track before they get to the post. And you see plenty hang across the track. Um, that would worry me for her. 
mimic you and Ashada, I've got a feeling both are better over a bit further. Cela Rosa is a, a decent a decent filly, but she's dropping back in trip and she's backing up fairly quickly. Um, Emily Upjohn clearly has ability. Um, you might remember when we when we looked at the Oaks, I was very concerned about her settling in the Oaks because she'd looked very keen in a piece of work on uh, Gallop's morning at, at Epsom. Didn't bother her uh, in the Oaks, but it certainly was a big problem in the King George last time where she was just far too keen, um, as was Westover in the King George. Now, that clearly had left a mark on him because he didn't run anywhere near to his level in the arc last time. So it's got to be a concern. Um, the hood is a great a, a great addition but also she's been off the track for 84 days so she could just be a bit could just be a bit fresh so uh, i really don't know i mean if i if i had to have a bet and i haven't got to have a bet but if i had to have a bet i think i'd probably go with emily up john and hope that the hood uh and a bit of frankie magic can get her to settle i think there's enough pace in here that she might she, she might settle a bit better but i think it's a really trappy affair uh nothing i'm sort of outstandingly keen on but if it was going to be one it'd be Emily Upjohn because I think she's the best filly in the race okay so tentative selection if anything from Emily Upjohn for Emily Upjohn for for Ross yeah a race that you don't obviously doesn't no need to get involved if there's no strong fancy at all but there are fillies in here that um again look have had long seasons maybe trying to claim their first group one success uh Cela Rossa was did claim her first Group One success um, not that long ago, and really intriguing that William Haggis is throwing her in again. He's obviously up for um, the, the, the trainers' championship as well, um, and these races are worth a huge amount of money, aren't they? So if she's well, they're going to roll again and, and do the best to fight off um, the Charlie Appleby uh, charge. Um, with that in mind, Tom, with what Ross has said, is there anything that really stands out to you here uh, that you're looking forward to seeing, or is this a, is a race that you'd rather leave alone? I think it's a really hard race to assess. I mean, three-year-olds have won seven of the last eight editions, and maybe that trend will see punters running to the windows to back the mm. likes of Emily Upjohn and Eternal Pearl. But not so fast would be my advice here. Um, I don't like Emily Upjohn. Uh, I think she's relatively short. The first time Hood is a worry for me. And last time out in the King George, she was just pretty bad. The soft ground is also a concern. Um, so there are lots of negatives there. And at a reasonably short price, I think you should look elsewhere. Eternal Pearl could be good enough, could be the next Emily Upjohn. Um, but we don't know. This is a marked step up in class for her obviously represents leading connections and in great form uh, but at the same time we're still there's still an unknown there and she's still relatively short so this is a race where you just want to have a stab at something at a big price i think or a decent price anyway um, and the one i came down on is french philly um sweet pearl now the main angle here is the fact that deep ground i'm anticipating at least soft uh, because there's heavy rain on friday definitely on saturday as well and it's currently good to soft so why wouldn't it be um Deep ground will suit her better than any other filly in this race. And her fourth in the Group 1 Grand Prix de Saint-Cloud behind Alpinista took a big boost when Alpinista obviously went on to win the arc. Um, she proved her ability last time in the Vermeil. I don't think it was a great race, um, but Tuesday was in behind, Lilac Road was in behind. So there were some good fillies in there. She had new tactics that day. She went to the front. I think she's very versatile because before that race uh, in the Grand Prix de Saint-Cloud, she came from behind and she finished the race off well. So... I think there are lots of positives for her and around 10 to 1 or maybe a bit bigger on the day. I don't know what price she is now. Mm. Um, I think Sweet Pearl's a good each way alternative. Sweet Lady, to make sure to is confirm. It? Sweet Lady, yes. I think you're going to confuse the Eternal Pearl. That's fine. Sweet Lady, 7 to 1 at the moment. I think I, I love those angles in with Alpinista as well. She's, she's look, she's really, when I look back on that last run, leading you know the tactics i was thinking about ascot and what 
how the racing style benefits. Mm. Do you think the, that it's a track that sometimes that closes can um, sort of get get the best out of a horse that goes off a little bit too hard? Would you want her to do the same thing here at Ascot that she did at Longchamp? I think it's a very fair track. I mean, sweet lady uh, <laughs> can be ridden either way. Like if they go, if there's no early gallop, no big fast early gallop and the connections realize that or jockey realizes that and within the first hundred yards then you know he can, he can take a pull or he can go to the front it's completely up to him I, I wouldn't necessarily be for him going forward on sweet lady or pulling back on sweet lady I think mm-hmm. however the race pans out he'll be able to find the perfect position for her um, and that's a major tick because I think some of these horses the likes of Emily Upjohn if it goes if the pace is slow you know she could reef and pull for her head and that could be game over within the first furlong so yeah, yeah I think uh, the versatility of sweet lady is a big tick Okay, um, she will be a sweet lady for you if she is able to to justify your uh, confidence in her seven to one. As I said, uh, I'm going to disagree with you about Eternal Pearl. I think she's on a great upward trajectory. She's obviously been handled in a in a very careful way by Charlie Appleby. You know, at the beginning of the season, she was running in in, in maiden races, um, and you know, she won her novice, proved herself, and she's just slowly going through the gears. And now the Group One is her. her essentially her biggest test yet but there's no reason why in a race which is very open uh, she can take this next test um uh in her in her stride and uh for a team that just know how to do so well with these kind of uh, horses too um eternal pearl for me is uh, five to one so again differing of opinion there's so many wh- whichever angle you want to take we've got them essentially for um this champions day um might not be uh so uh the same as we get into the qe2 um but we'll see i really like this race queen elizabeth's second stakes we've uh, thrown up some great great races in the past obviously this is when baid um proved himself proved himself to be the best miler at the time when he beat um Pal- uh, beat uh, palace pier last year uh, the revenant king of change roaring lion all uh, recent winners as well so we have seen absolutely superstars in the past um and spiral's bidding to be just that um at five to six they wrote back on the track that she won um, at Royal Ascot. Uh, Modern Games, intriguing that, they are, that they've that they rooted him here after um, winning so well at Woodbine. Surely he's en route to the Breeders' Cup as well. The Revenant, who was a winner of this race before, is 92 for Francis Graffard. He's got Ryan Morb dropped up, which is an intriguing. Um, Jadumi's been supplemented for a big prize, of 6-1. to And then we've got 14-1 to bar those. Um, so maybe uh, TC will come to you first. As mm-hmm. said, we've had some real champions in this race before. Do you think in Spiral is a champion? It's a great question because I haven't got her right once this year. Not once. Mm. Every single time I've completely got her wrong. I I was dead against her in the coronation. She went and won first time up this year. Then I thought the Falmouth was a penalty kick. She somehow lost. And then Mm. last time out in France, I was against her um, with the likes of the ill-fated Caribus. Um, Erevan was in there as well in the Jacques Lamarois. Yeah, she won. So I really can't get her right. Maybe she's a champion. Maybe she's just really disappointed in the Falmouth. Um, and she could be the next big thing. But I cannot back her at a short price. That's not to say she can't win. Don't get me wrong. And John Gos- Jonathan Hady Gosden need this for the title race, mm. um, especially if Emily Upjohn wins earlier on. But yeah, I've got to look elsewhere. And I'm going to be with Modern Games. Now, maybe that's because I love North American racing. And I was in the Sky Sports studio when he won the Woodbine Mile and I was raving about the performance. Now, that race is nowhere near as good as this race. Don't mm. get me wrong. It was a pretty weak affair. Um, but he traveled so well. And he has a, a real turn of foot that's elite, a group one turn of foot. Um the Sussex Stakes runner-up performance behind Bayed, I think if he repeats that, he'll win this race. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily going to happen because the ground is a question mark. As you say, the Breeders' Cup is probably the, the end goal for him, whereas in Spiral, this is probably the end goal. Um, although she has entered in a couple of Breeders' Cup races, but I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I think that effort in the Sussex Stakes is good enough for modern games. Last time out in the wood by Mile, he proved he's still very capable. And in the past, he's proved that he can travel uh, across the globe to North America and come back to the UK and still perform at that same high level. So I'm not expecting any fall off in form. And if he repeats that, I think he's a big player and maybe puts up to Inspiral and beats her. Okay, and the ground, that would be my only concern with yeah. him. Obviously, we've seen him win at, um, in France on, on slightly softer ground, but recently he's looked like he's, he wants the sort of top of the ground. Would that be a concern if it gets really testing? For sure. I think that's the biggest concern with him. Um, mm. He's clearly very good on fast or firm ground, um, as, as proven at World by Mile. But um, I think uh, he's versatile enough to handle it. Maybe mm. he doesn't handle it as well as a couple of others, but I'm happy to take a chance. Yeah, to handle it and whether it's essentially un means that he's unable to really pick up and, and use the gear gears. Sometimes horses just a wheel spinning when it when it gets uh, really testing. But we'll just have to monitor uh, the rainfall over the next uh, couple of days. Um, Ross, are you with um, Tom? Are you against Tom with the opinions around and spiral? Uh, I'm I completely agree with you. So I've I've got her wrong every single time. Um, I'm hoping I've got it right this time, and I'm hoping he's right that the the ground might just uh, blunt the speed of modern games because I do think he's the only legitimate danger in here. To be honest, I'm convinced we'll see Inspiral over ten furlongs at some point. Um, she looks a really strong stayer at this trip. I think the soft ground is gonna gonna make this a stamina test. Ascot seemed to suit her really well uh, when she was very impressive there the last time. Um, I think. We're looking for champions. She is a champion, I think. I think she's a really smart filly. I was surprised that she had the speed to do what she did over a mile. Um, I think this stamina test suits her far better. She gets a nice three pound from the from the rest. I think she'll win this for for Frankie and John Gosden. Yeah, she's had a pretty flawless career, hasn't she? Despite that, um, the only one sort of blot in her copybook is when she just ran flat um, uh, behind Prosperous Voyage at Newmarket earlier on in the season, the Farmer Stakes. But she's she's been pretty hardy, especially against uh, the Colts as well. So look, she's she's very strong at the top of the betting as well, uh, five to six. So you're either with her or you're against her. Um, look, this is a race um, where we've got nine runners, and I actually think if anything, there could be a bit of a Bit of value, bit of each way value um, with Jadumi, um, who has been um, supplemented by Simon Ed Crisford. I was really impressed with what he did at Leopardstown, where he put the race to bed in the matter of moments, really. Didn't obviously beat much. This was the boomerang mile, but he just did it in the shape of a horse that's just getting better and better. And uh, Ed Crisford even said that he was thinking that potentially he could uh, go champion stakes um, as this horse could, could step up and trip as well. But not many people are brave enough to take on Bayid, so they're sticking with the mile. And I do think that he represents just a little bit of value. Six to one you can get, um, and James Jaws, but back after that hand injury and um, really hope that he can have a good day on Champion Stakes Day. We have gone through four races and we still have not selected anything as a team. Crazy. So I don't know if what we've been doing over the flat <laughs> season that we, <laughs> we just have not been listening to each other, but for whatever it means... We're coming, coming down to a different route, but that's fine. We'll see. I thought we'd get to the champion stakes and this would be a no-brainer. Then I've actually been able to see <laughs> what everyone is selected. So I already know, and it's going to shock everyone, but we haven't agreed on this race either. And I'm fascinated, but yes, we're going to come to the champion stakes now. Final race that we're going to preview. Um, and I thought this would be the quickest, um, uh, the quickest <laughs> preview segment of, of them all. Obviously, We've got the wonderful Bayid um, finishing out his career in this race. He is uh, one to four to make it a perfect 11 out of 11. Um, 
all Champions Days need champions and he's been everything that we want in racing and more. Um, he's shown he's got the gears. He's shown he can stay um, this 10 furlong trip as well. He does have a, a decent uh, rival in the shape of the Derby winner, Adayar, um, at 72 Bay Bridge. He's uh, he's back um, to prove himself again at 8-1. My Prospero um, is 25-1 to one and, and unsurprisingly uh, bigger prices for the rest. But I tell you, he can be beaten, apparently. <laughs> Apparently, TC, think he can be beaten. Apparently, Ross, you do. You've got to give us a, a very good reason as to why Baid might be beaten on Saturday. Well, let me let me clear something up. Baid will win this race. I agree okay. with you 100%. Um, but the price tells you that. He's the best horse in the race by a considerable margin. He has course form. He's 10 from 10. He's unbeaten. How can you take him on? He's one to four. That's how. Like, for win purposes, you're not going to make money. You're mm -hmm. going to make 20p. You know, it's, it's very uh, poor odds for um, those punters who like to have a tenner on, you know, rather than those who want to have bigger bets and fair play if you do, because one to four is then a decent price. Um, it has a much better each way shape to it than, right. a, than a win than a win shape, in my opinion. And I just haven't jumped off the Bay Bridge bandwagon just yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've loved this horse since he won the London Gold Cup at Newby back in May 2021. Mm -hmm. I thought he was going to develop into the best middle distance prospect that we've got in the UK. Now, I say that in retrospect when Bayed was running over a mile and therefore wasn't in this division. Um, Bayed is obviously a better horse than Baybridge has shown so far. Heading into Royal Ascot this year, I thought he was going to romp home, but he bumped into a good one in State of Rest in the Prince of Wales. State of Rest was given a good ride, but he's a multiple group one winner anyway. So, you know, it was a good, a good performance in second, beaten by a good horse. I expected more, didn't come. Last time out, in the eclipse, I don't know what happened, Jess, because I was yeah. all over Baybridge. He finished fifth of five. Um, it was a bit of a you know, bunch finish, messy, messy race. race. Yeah, uh, Mishra should have beat. Well, should have won, in my opinion. Um, but anyway, by the by, I'm going to put a line through that effort. I don't think that was the real Baybridge. Mm -hmm. And if you look at RPRs, his two previous efforts are, are much better than that. Eight pounds better. So um, I'm willing to give Baybridge a lit another go after a long mm -hmm. absence. Eight to ones, I think, is a very fair price. There's not much depth in here. Baid wins. You've got second and third to play with. Baybridge finishes in the places and rewards each way backers. Okay, very good point. And if you scroll into this uh, podcast and suddenly you hear TC saying, eight to one, not much depth in this race. <laughs> it is, comes with a caveat. He is second, maybe third to Baid. That yeah. is crucial. Okay, so we're not going to sell um, Tom down the river. He does <laughs> think Baid will win this race, but there is value around. I think that is important um, when you're trying to, if you want to bet in every race, but it's probably, if anything, of all the races, not a betting contest. Or is it, Ross? Uh, I just think the price disparity is insulting uh, to, to Adair and, and to Baybridge, to be fair. I think TC's right. I think Baybridge probably should have finished in front of Mishriff. Um, Adair already has finished in front of Mishriff. The Judmont International was a was a great performance by Baid. But you look at what those in behind have done since. Second was Mishriff, was lapped in the arc. The third is Sabuska, who's a lovely horse, but he's not a top-notcher. And the fourth, Dubai Honor, was beaten nearly the best part of three lengths in an in a all-weather group three last time. Uh, Four to one on, no thank you very much. And he's got to cope with, I mean, ground on the softer side, a good to soft. TC saying soft ground, there's lots of rain forecast. This becomes an entirely different test to 10 furlongs uh, at Doncaster. Um, Adegar will make this a test. Um, he'll cope with the soft ground. His fourth in the arc last year doesn't look all that bad now because Toccata Tasso ran a super race this time from being drawn right out in the car park. Um, I think he's a decent price. 
there's some people that would back five to one each way. That wouldn't be my 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 sort of way. But I I just don't think this is the penalty kick for Baid that all us fairy tale fantasists want it to be. In no way will it diminish his ability and his legendary status, if you like, if he gets beat, because it will be down to the soft ground and and not seeing out the trip to a superior stayer. Um, but I don't think he's just going to rock up here and canter off into the into the distance, waving to his fan club. I think this is a proper race. I think it's the toughest race he's been in. Um, Adegar is no mug, and I think he he gets here fresh. That's another key point. Um, this has been the target. They're clearly not frightened of uh, Baid, otherwise they'd go elsewhere. Um, so yeah, I I think it's a really exciting race, and if Baid wins, fantastic. But I don't think that the market's got this quite right, to be fair. Okay. Ross, happy to take Baid on. It takes an incredibly brave man. And that's why you come to the SB, SBK podcast, because we have a very brave man in Ross Miller. I think he's totally wrong. Um, I can't see past him. I think you're, you're becoming more wild by the by the second with everything you're saying here. I don't think it matters what ground he's got for Baid. I don't think it matters what race setup. I think this is... Um, it will be fairly straightforward for him. I think he's got too much speed, if anything. Yes, the ground will be a bit of a test for him, but I think these true champions can run on whatever, and he's proven himself time and time again. And yes, Adaya might be fresh, but he won a three-horse race last time. Um, yes, and he looked pretty big as well. I'd like to have seen, like to see him strip a lot fitter to beat um, a horse like Baid here. But look, um, it's going to be interesting, and we'll see how a uh, champion stakes um, falls uh, for uh, Bayid's final swan song, which is extremely sad, but it will be a wonderful occasion on Saturday. Um, so I think it's quite obvious that I'm um, just sticking to Bayid. Not, not a betting proposition Are at you? all. You're sticking to <laughs> <laughs> Not a betting proposition at all. But look, we have gone through all five races. And we've got all five different um, opinions. So always intriguing. And I think that makes this day um, so competitive as well. So I'm really pleased that we've got such a healthy competition uh, lining up at Ascot on Saturday. Um, now we've gone through all these. We've still got the best of the week. Can be anywhere, nap from anywhere on Saturday. Um, and look, I think Saturday, if anything, marks the end of the flat season proper. I'm sad to say, but we do have lots of all weather racing coming up. We've got Breeders' Cup and everything. <laughs> so it's not over yet, Tom, but it means that we will be looking heavily at, at jumps racing, I'd imagine, and we'll have jumps previews too. And potentially there's a nap from outside of um, the flat realms for you, Ross. Yeah, I have... Uh broken ranks this week Jess and I've gone to Newton Abbott for the 145 uh, the Tim Vaughan train bells of Peterborough he's four pound lower over fence than he ever's over hurdles he only had the one run over fences and he didn't look all that good to be fair um, it was at air and he put in a few sketchy jumps but I thought he got a fairly negative ride for a first time chaser I like to see my first time chasers ridden with positivity and filled with confidence and, and on this occasion he didn't really get that sort of ride um Three pound conditional takes over. He was very impressive last weekend at, at Chepstow. A real positive ride that day on a horse that was having his first run over regulation fences. Um, I think Balspeter is a decent horse. Any rain that comes will suit him. Trip is ideal. And I think a more positive ride can see him uh, capitalise on this lower chase mark than hurdle mark. Okay, Bells of Peterborough for Ross for his uh, nap for Saturday. Um, Tom, is, is it at Ascot? Have you found gone elsewhere? No, I've gone. I've stuck to Ascot. I was looking elsewhere, but I thought, why complicate things? Um, I just love Rohan in the two mm-hmm. o'clock at Ascot, the champion sprint stakes. I think everything is right for him. The ground's perfect. The draw's perfect. Adam Kirby has a great record on him. 
David Edmonds is going to have him spot on for this and he loves Ascot. So yeah, Rohan in the two o'clock for me. Okay, Rohan um, for as a nap section is one of his favourite horses um, in training. Um, a horse that I, I'm putting up as my nap is in the Balmoral Handicap, the final race, 440 at Ascot on Saturday. Um, migration is clearly extremely fragile. He doesn't doesn't do a huge amount of racing. Um, he's a six-year-old. He's only one, ran once this season um, and that was earlier on um, at uh, April New, um, at Newbury where he was a really catching second to modern news it was a big double figure price that day they've they've waited for him he needs given the ground uh, they look after him massively as well and i think he's got um, a good opportunity here um he is a big he's drawn in 23 which i don't think is ideal looking at uh, tom he's <laughs> he's nodding at, nodding at me and that's just a bit of a bit of a shocker um but i'll i'll take my chances um with a man like william buick on board he knows how to navigate his way around ask it all right and he's uh, a tense one nap so that's all right for me um so we'll uh, um, go from naps into the stat attack which tom has already given us a little bit of a preview into covers ask it yeah, uh, just a Champions Day stat attack. That's where most punters are going to be looking this weekend. And uh, over the last five years, Champions Day favourites. Now, most people are going to be looking for these multiples, the likes of Inspiral, Bayed, Emily Upjohn, maybe. Favourites of the Champions Day have won 10 of 30 races, a 33% strike rate. Now, to put that into some context, the average in 2021 of winning favourites is 35%. So we're just below the average. Mm -hmm. It's not much of a disparity. So I think there are two takings from this. One, continue to assess the races as you would. Don't look at these uh, events and see all that depth of top-class horses and think, oh, God, I've got to take on this favourite because of the price of this horse of mm -hmm. 14 to 1, 16 to 1, whatever. And two, the age-old age old belief that testing ground screws races, you get these shocking, weird results, is rubbish at this meeting. So that, they're my takings. <laughs> listen, listen here, Ross. <laughs> There's no, nothing to worry about without the ground um, when it comes to um, Saturday Ascot. Really intriguing stuff. Um, look, we've got some quality horses on offer here on Saturday, and we're really looking forward to it. Um, it's a proper Champions Day, as it should be. So I'm really, really hopeful that we've found a few winners for you. Um, and uh, yeah, look, we've got plenty of different selections as well. A reminder that new SBK customers can get £30 in free bets by betting £10. T's and C's always apply. Uh, we've been the SBK podcast. We uh, You can find us on all your familiar podcast apps. We've also got our YouTube channel where you've got plenty of content from our ambassadors and uh, you can include and stable tools as well. We'll be back as always next week. I hope we found a few winners for you. Thank you for joining us.